Counseling People Pleasers on this edition of Truth and Love. Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I welcome back my brother, Lou Priolo. He's a graduate of Calvary Bible College and Liberty University. He holds a doctorate of divinity from Calvary University. He's been a full-time biblical counselor since 1985, and he's the author of several books, including The Heart of Anger, Pleasing People, and most recently, Loneliness, along with several other titles. Lou's a member of the IBC, International Association of Biblical Counselors, and a fellow in the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. He's the director of biblical counseling at Christ's Covenant Buckhead in Atlanta. He travels frequently throughout the United States and abroad, training pastors, laymen, and fellow counselors, as well as conducting a wide variety of seminars through Competent to Counsel International, the nonprofit organization which he founded in 2013. Lou and his wife, Kim, have been married since 1987 and are the parents of two grown daughters, Sophia and Gabriella. Lou, it's so good to have you on the podcast talking about this subject that, unfortunately, I think so many people deal with this issue of people-pleasing. It's very, very common. Very common. Well, thank you, brother, for joining us. I really appreciate that. Listen, I want to start here as we talk about some of the characteristics. Maybe we're diagnosing our own heart, or maybe we're in a counseling room and we're trying to to sense what's going on in an individual who's who's wrestling and struggling. Talk about some of the characteristics that we would see in in people pleasers. Let me begin, Dale, by, by saying, you know, we can hear people's words and we can see their actions, but we really can't uh, see their heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And so as counselors, we basically have to ask them questions, right? Proverbs 20 and verse 5 says, counsel in the heart of man is as deep waters, a wise man draws it out. And so like I say to my counselees often, look, I can't see your heart. You're going to have to look in there and tell me what's in there. And then together, once we discover what's in there, then we'll go to God's word and find the biblical diagnosis and biblical solutions to that. So uh, some of these characteristics are things that we as counselors cannot see, but the people we're trying to help uh, in answer to our questions may be willing to disclose them. So first thing is he fears the displeasure of man or people more than the displeasure of God. Like it says in the book of John, yet many people, even some of the authorities, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not admit to it for fear that they'd be thrown out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of people more than, you could actually translate that Greek word, rather than the praise of God. Now, I, I appreciate so much that you're describing some of the characteristics, but I hope our listeners don't don't skip too, too fast forward into the characteristics. What you said at the beginning of that in distinguishing for us as counselors how we view things, we can't open up a person's heart. We, we can't see into a person's heart. We have to take what we can see and then overlay that into the Scripture so that we can discern well. And that's so helpful methodologically, Lou. I, I think that's That's important for us to consider as we think about these characteristics which you've articulated from the Scripture. So I want to to talk about 
Now, it's easy for us to see people pleasing in a negative way, and that's typically how the, the Scripture presents it. And I think we ought to emphasize these types of subjects the way the Scripture emphasizes these types of subjects. But I want us to consider, is it ever right for Christians to try and please people? Yes, Dale, it absolutely is. And in the second, the whole the second chapter of the book, I hit that right at the beginning of the book, and I give six circumstances in which it is right for us to try to please people. So, number one, it is lawful to please men or people to the extent that such people pleasing is not the leading principle of conduct or primary motive of your actions, but rather is subordinate to the love of God and love of neighbor. Second, it's lawful to please people to the extent that the establishment of a good name for the cause of Christ is your motive. I mean, the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than silver or gold, right? If you want to be a church officer, a deacon, or an elder, you're supposed to be above reproach. So there there are times in which, depending on our motives, it's a good thing for us to want to have a good reputation. It's lawful to please man to the extent that the Bible commands you to please, honor, and obey your parents, your rulers, your superiors— it's lawful to please people to the extent that the Bible allows you to please your spouse, right? He was married, cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. She was married, cares about how she may please her husband. It is lawful to please people to the extent that you are to become all things to all men whom you are attempting to save for Christ. And then finally, it's lawful to please people by denying yourself the use of your Christian liberty so as not to put a stumbling block before a weaker brother. If listeners could understand what you're trying to describe here, you know, a lot of times biblical counselors uh, sort, sort of get this label as if we're one-sided on several issues. And, and what you're doing here, Lou, is so helpful in helping us to see the dynamic of the Scripture. That's the language that I use quite often to show how, how the Bible helps us to see how to do something in a proper way, motivationally, and then and then how to retract from it or how to re- refrain from sin by pursuing the same thing in a selfish manner. And that's exactly what you're trying to describe for us here. Now, we've, we've talked about some of the right ways, or as you can consider it, lawful ways to please people scripturally. Talk about some of the dangers. We're, we're certainly more familiar with that part in biblical counseling, but talk about some of the dangers of being a people pleaser. Well, inordinate people-pleasing brings you into bondage by enslaving you to every man you desire to please. I mean, as Christians, we perform on the stage of one, right? God is our audience. And if we try to please people more than God, then we become a slave to all the people that we're trying to please when it's a lot easier to please one person than to please a thousand or a hundred or however many people you know are around us. Yeah, I love that. And and sometimes our people pleasing leads us into such futile and vain pursuits. I want you to talk about that for a second. Why do you see this pursuit of people pleasing uh, as an exercise in futility when we try to please people too much? Why it is impossible to please people. First of all, it's fruitless to try to please people because each person is different, and therefore, by pleasing some, you will inevitably displease other. It's unrealistic to please people because their selfishness distorts their thinking and raises their expectations above that which you can reasonably fulfill. 
It's futile to please people because most people are unregenerate and believe you to be foolish and strange. It's unreasonable to please people because even amongst Christians, judgmental attitudes and critical spirits are too prevalent. It's pointless to try to please people because even Jesus Christ, the perfect man, did not please everyone. It's useless to try to please people because people are fundamentally incapable of being pleased by anyone or anything other than Christ. That's such a phenomenal point, Lou, where you, you, you're you using Christ and that, that people were certainly not pleased with him. I think that's a good warning to us, a caution even, as to how often we try our best to please people, but, but how often we fail, even when we give all of our efforts to doing something like that. It, it becomes a, a futile pursuit. I want you to talk about the biblical alternative. What is an alternative to, to being a, a people pleaser? Yeah, this is really the heart of the book. Like the first the first half of the book basically convicts the stew out of you. It helps you realize in how many hundred ways, dozens of ways, you're a people pleaser. And then the second part of the book talks about to how to correct the problem. And fundamentally, the solution to being uh, too much of a people pleaser is to train yourself so that in every decision you make, you think about what is pleasing God. So the put off is pleasing people. The put on is pleasing God. In every decision, what does God want? What will please him? What would the Lord have me to do? So it's a matter of sort of retraining, in a sense, your conscience, which for many of us have been programmed by our upbringing, because, you know, our culture says we have to please people. And then to to train our conscience to think in terms of what does God want me to, to do? What will please God? And then to make the decisions more on the basis of what pleases God than on what pleases man. They love the approval of man more than the approval of God is the way that that word can be actually translated. And this is this is foundational. This is why we talk in biblical counseling so much about our aim is to help someone work through a process of sanctification in the counseling room. Our aim is to uh, allow a person to live before the face of God, to, to do the things that please the Lord, because that's the way we were made as human beings. That That's the aim that God gives us in the Scripture. This is not a, a secondary issue. This is not a peripheral issue. This is a, a foundational issue. And this is where we see the fallout when uh, we desire to please people more than we desire to please the Lord. And this is something that's so helpful to discern and so helpful to keep in the forefront of our mind as so many passages, Colossians 3, 17, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, uh, remind us that everything we do ought to be done to the glory and honor and the pleasure of God. That's why we were made. Uh, so, so what are some of the benefits of being a God pleaser? Well, the first one is you only have one master to please rather than many, and one master is a lot easier to please than hundreds. Another benefit is that the one you please is wiser than man and will neither misunderstand you nor treat you unreasonably. The one you please will judge you not on outward appearance, but on that which is in your heart. In the book, I make the point that God will reward us not only for what we're actually do, but also for what we want to do, but we're hindered from doing. The one you please is not a respecter of persons. The one you please is immutable, unchanging. It will not be displeased with you today over something he was pleased with you yesterday, like so many of the people that we have to do business with. 
The one you please does not require you to harm yourself in order to please him, but is pleased only with those things that will ultimately lead to your own happiness. The one you please will not be influenced by talebearers, gossips, or false accusers. Neither will he be misled by misinformation. And I think there are a few more in the book as well. All those are so helpful. And you see what's happening uh, as you're listening is you're building our discernment, Lou. You're helping us to discern the way the scriptures do, not, not based on a cultural lens or a measuring stick, not based on our upbringing, not based on what's societally uh, approved. You're helping us to see through the lens of scripture on how to approve these things. One other thing that I want to ask about, and maybe we'll end here, is uh, I'm thinking of Philippians chapter 2 and having the mind of Christ, and part of our being conformed to the image of Christ is to, to, to treat others the way that Christ treated others in preference of others, thinking of them more than we think of ourselves. How can a Christian learn to esteem others better than ourselves? I think it's important to look for specifics. I mean, obviously, there are things in which, as we evaluate ourselves, we know that God has gifted us in right? Like whether it's counseling or some kind of athletic ability or musical ability, but to look for the things in other people that are praiseworthy and commendable, sort of like the Philippians 4, 8 list, right? Whatever things are true and honest and just and pure. Well, think about those things in terms of the people around you. What are the things in these other people that are true and honest and just and pure, that kind of thing? Whenever you see a quality in someone that is a biblical quality, a quality that the Bible says Christians should have, a portion of the fruit of the Spirit, or characteristics that an elder should have, or characteristic of a Titus 2 woman, or a Proverbs 31 woman, to look for those things and to approve them. But, but Dale, the, the bottom line with this, and I think I end up saying this to a lot of counselees in, in a lot of different contexts— you know, the greatest commandment is to love God and then to love your neighbor. The trick is to learn how to focus more on how I can love my neighbor. And who's my neighbor? Right? Whoever God's in my path. You remember the Good Samaritan? To focus more on how I can love my neighbor than on how my neighbor is not loving me. It's really easy for us to get our feelings hurt, to, to respond sinfully, to be filled with self-pity because we think to ourselves, well, I wouldn't treat someone that way, or what was he thinking? Doesn't he realize how hurtful that was? As opposed to, wait a minute, he's a sinner, I'm a sinner. I really need to focus my attention not on how he didn't love me or she didn't love me, but how does God want me to love him? What are his needs? What are her needs? And how does God want me to meet those needs, to minister to him, to minister to her? I love that. It puts it in proper priority. And that's what we really need. We need that type of discernment to to think, how do I love other people? Because we know that's what God wants us to do, but do it in a way that pleases Him, that honors His name in the way in which He would handle other people as well. So, Lou, this has been very helpful. You, you mentioned that you wrote a book on this. Back in 2007, released by PNR, Lou wrote a book called Pleasing People, How Not to Be an Approval Junkie. We will put that in the show notes if you want to read more on what Lou has been referring to here uh, about how to counsel those who are people pleasers. Thanks, brother, for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Dale. Thank you. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. 
I want to remind you of our training events that we have at ACBC. Uh, first of all, through all of our training centers, we have 85 training centers that are spread throughout the United States and also in other countries around the world. And I want to encourage you to avail yourself to those training opportunities. At ACBC, we also do on-the-road training And this fall, we will be in Kingsburg, California at Grace Church of the Valley. And we'll also be in Little Rock, Arkansas at the Bible Church in Little Rock. And so we're looking forward to those opportunities. If you are around the area, I would encourage you to be a part of our in-person training. The first weekend in Kingsburg, it's August 25th and 26th. These are three weekends worth of training. In Little Rock, the weekends begin September 8th and 9th. And so I want to encourage you to go to our website, biblicalcounseling.com backslash events, and you can find out more information about our counseling discipleship trainings. This is a part of our fundamentals training here at ACBC, our phase one training that prepares you to complete certification. And so if you have interest and you're in those areas, I want to encourage you to be a part of that training. We would love to see you there. And if one of those uh, CDTs is not in your area, we have a training center that I'm sure is close to you around the United States. And I want to encourage you to avail yourself to that training that's in person there. And that's happening throughout the fall semester and also in the spring as well. Uh, You can go right to our homepage, Train for Counseling. Click that button and it will take you to a map where you can find our training centers and the events that they are offering and particularly our fundamentals phase one training. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that at a location near you. And as always, uh, we have other resources we would love you to check out. So to find those resources, go see us at biblicalcounseling.com. 